This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hey, welcome to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Today, for the first time on Sirius XM 132. So we are we have found our new home on our 132. New home. 132. Exactly. So if you already have us preset to you know to 111 before, you automatically shift it over to 132. No worries there. If you're new to the show and to the channel, welcome to Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, as well as welcome to Dollars and Change. This yeah. is our show. This is our show. And we always talk about the intersection of business and social impact um, and how the tools of business. So let's say what students are learning on campus from the top minds at the Wharton School, how they can actually apply those those learnings to tackle some of the most complex and, and challenging issues of our day. Yeah, and the students really find um, the challenge of, of um revising their business model, thinking about their their sort of so, social compact, they always find that a source of innovation, which is interesting. Because, I mean, I think anything that forces you to uh, disrupt, I mean, that's used a lot, but anything that forces you to think differently about what you're doing and really look at it and assess it carefully is, a, is something that's going to get you to um, – innovate in in difficult ways. Exactly. I mean, we actually spoke last week on our show with um, the the chief scientific officer from PepsiCo. Yeah. You said you loved that. Yeah, it was a great segment. But what to your point, Cheryl, is this isn't just like, let's do good for good's sake, but rather, how are we innovating? What are the business yeah. opportunities? And as we think about systemic issues in the world, that becomes a business imperative on one hand for the bottom line, but also a real opportunity for the business, too. Yeah, and that's what I really like about the the approach that a lot of a lot of the businesses are taking is that they're, instead of looking out and just sort of saying, what philanthropy can I give to? It's sort of like, how do I just our processes, our business, our supply chain, so that we are really um, walking the walk. Yeah, so that's a great orientation for maybe some of our new listeners, and just a good reminder for those who have stuck with us for the last, gosh, four stuck plus with years. Us, who have enjoyed who've our enjoyed, company of and discussion. Course, of course, <laughs> but you know, they're the tried and true. They're the, yeah. the loyal listeners, so thank you for joining us. We are here live every Thursday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. We're replayed throughout the week. You can find us on demand on the SiriusXM app, and then often we're able to share some of our content later on through our Wharton channels as well, especially uh, the, our Wharton Social Impact initiative work uh you can find us on twitter at biz radio 132 as well as at wharton social you can always give us a call to join the conversation live 1-844-WHARTON that's 1-844-942-7866 and we have our our last segment of the the morning from 9 30 to 10 as an open segment where people can call in and we've had um, good callers talk about some of the issues they're looking at raise some political issues sometimes respond about some of the guests so it's a time sometimes people don't want to interrupt the flow of the conversation and they're thinking about a question but you can always save it for later and then we'll try to get you an answer exactly so with that let's let's transition let's, let's to to show um you know give a rundown of what our listeners can expect so our first guest will join us in a moment his name is michael hansen and he's the chief executive officer of cengage 
And then we'll be moving on to Path, excuse me, Pam Rothenberg, who's a partner at Womble Bond Dickinson. Uh, we'll be talking about how a law firm is really approaching uh, some of the legal challenges as as businesses and investors are innovating in this space. Uh, because, you know, do you just use uh, the same structures and move them on over? Do you have to think creatively? And I know when I t- met Pam before, she really thought, Gosh, this is so fun. As a lawyer, I get to use my skills in a totally new way too. Yeah, so, because yeah. instead of just being like, I do corporate law or I do, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. So, um, I'm excited to talk to Pam. And then at the top of the hour at 9 a.m. Eastern, we'll be speaking with the president of the J.P. Morgan Chase Foundation, Janice Bowdler. And so we have had J.P. Morgan Chase on to talk about specific issues, but we haven't really talked broadly about sort of their philanthropic and impact investing work from the bank and the foundation. So excited to be able to talk about that, too. Sounds great. And I just do want to give a quick shout out to to my husband, Michael, who was just appointed the full time CEO of uh, the organization where he had been interim. And so congratulations. Congratulations, Michael. Congratulations, Michael. Um, (laughs) But without further ado, let's move on to the topic of the show. And let's move on to Michael Hansen, who's the CEO of Cengage. Welcome to the show, Michael. Nick. Great to be on the show. Yes, we are delighted to have you. And I'm interested to talk to you because it looks like we are talking about education technology disruption in uh, the, I'm not sure if it's the higher ed or the K through 12 market, all of the above, but we'll be talking more about that. And, you know, my background, it was actually education before I, I moved to the Wharton School. And, well, I guess I still am in education to some degree. Say, but, uh... but thinking about how we, we improve learning outcomes and other types of uh, issues around the world in education. So I'm excited to dive in with you. But let's first start with you. Uh, who are you and <laughs> what's your background? Exactly. Good question. So I am, uh, as you said, the CEO of Cengage, and many uh, people might not know what Cengage is, but we are a 100-year-old company, and we have uh, been for a 100-year-old a tried-and-true textbook, education textbook publisher, K-12 and higher ed, primarily higher ed. Feels very analog. We were very analog, but uh, what essentially happened, and you guys have undoubtedly read about this, Textbook prices have been a topic of conversation for the better part of the last 20 years. And we were one of the companies that actually created the problem, and we figured that we could be one of the companies or the company that can actually solve the problem. (laughs) So we are actually an incumbent uh, that is disrupting the industry. To give you a sense of the 20 million higher ed students in the U.S., we serve about 11 million. We have 5,000 employees around the world. And I've been with Cengage, I took over in uh, 2012, so for five years, and we've been on this quest. And uh, I think this year, and in fact, uh, over the next week or so, we are uh, releasing our sort of the solution, as it were, to the affordability crisis in higher ed in the United States. So do we get to have a sneak peek at the solution? You will. Uh, and it's actually, to Nick's point, uh, it is uh, going to be an all-digital solution. Um, we have, uh, and we will offer uh, the solution to the affordability by offering a Netflix-like subscription to all of our content. So instead of selling students one textbook at a time, one digital access code at a time, one digital platform access code, one at a time, and charge money for it, What we're going to do is we're going to give you a subscription for the entire semester, everything we have, everything you might need for $120 a semester. So this is really interesting to me. 
Uh, I'm not out of college that that long ago. Um, we'll let you get away with that for a I while. I mean, it's been a while. It's not like yesterday, but uh, I am thinking about my my textbook costs. And, and 120 is like one textbook. Ab- exactly. You know, I Psych 101 or whatever was was <laughs> exactly. not a cheap Probably textbook. Probably one of ours, Nick. <laughs> Maybe. And so I, I, you know, I personally reflect on that pain point, and it's something that I was a uh, first generation college completer um, in my family and. You know, to my parents' credit, they did a great job, but there wasn't as as much guidance as to how to budget for these types of issues. You know, it's one thing to get the big tuition bills and all the, the hidden fees that the universities yeah. like to, to tuck in there. I'm seeing our producer even <laughs> shake his head. Um, but then you say, uh, do, I, do I have cash or credit to be able to actually pay for my books now? Right, right. Right? Like my loan or, you know, my scholarships paid the tuition. But it never went through your hands. It never went through my hands. So how do I pay for my textbooks? So I, I'm just sort of reflecting on that experience, and I'm guessing that's what demand you're responding to as well, Michael. Absolutely, Nick. And I can tell you, you're not alone. Uh, we actually just released a study. At 85%, 85% of current or former students like yourself say that textbook and course material expenses are financially extremely stressful for them. They are more stressful than healthcare, housing, and everything that yeah. you deal with, you know, once you, are, once you are a student. And they're on par with the stress that they, that they experience with tuition, which, which obviously has much been talked about. And people make some very um, unhealthy choices, uh, literally around that. They, you know, skip meals. 43% of students skip meals to afford textbooks. Uh, students skip trips home. 31% of students skip trips home uh, to, to be able to pay for textbook. And uh, you're not alone because your background, first generation to go to college, is it, becoming the norm. I mean, there are a lot of students that are, don't have the privilege of being at Wharton, but they are in community colleges. They are single moms. They have two kids. They need to pay for diapers, housing, clothing. And, you know, it, is, it, it, it just simply doesn't work if you sell them textbook at, you know, $150, $200 a pop. Right. And I feel like even when I was in school, there were some folks, I wouldn't say probably the biggest educational thinkers, but some folks thinking about this issue. So, you know, we obviously have used textbooks as, right. as an avenue, and there were sort of these bookstore type of providers. Um, I would say when I was in school, digital textbooks, I don't know if they existed yet. Um, so, so I've, you know, this, is, this has obviously been a pain point for a while. And so when it comes to Cengage, and, and you've been with the company for a while, where did you see the opportunity and say, as a, as a traditional textbook supplier, we have to innovate in this area? You know, it's interesting. The opportunity really arose once you start listening to your customers and you define who your customer really is. In this industry, for the longest time, the customer was the faculty, right? Mm -hmm. Because the Mm -hmm. faculty decided which textbook they would use. Ah, And that's where this industry focused on myopically. Speaking of, buy my textbook. That's (laughs) usually what I... Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You you just did it because your professor told you, you know, you got to get that or you better get that to get through the course. Mm Mm-hmm. And what we did is we pivoted from day one. I, don't, I personally believe you can, you can never run a business on a sustainable basis if you do not understand the user and the customer of your product. So we did a ton of research on students. We brought students into the company, and we said, what is your pain point? And very few said, oh, give me a digital solution. They say, I like the digital solution, but 
what I really need is affordability. And what I really need is a lower price point, more access, less stress around the purchasing behavior. So this is really where, it's, where it all started, with listening to our customers. And then obviously, it's a long journey to get to a subscription model like this, because you know, as you can imagine, everybody is geared towards the old textbook model, right. right? So we had to negotiate with authors. We had to make sure that we could actually use the author contracts that we had that were within our rights to offer a subscription model. So we needed to put that into place. We needed to put a scalable digital solution in place. And I'm guessing that was not a light lift on the back end of the company to do that work. It was not a light uh, light lift at all. And, you know, it takes time. Uh, And I'm I'm a very impatient man. You said, who are you? (laughs) You know, I'm definitely a very impatient man. Uh, But you've got to get it right. You've got to set the foundations right. And I'm delighted that we are finally making this solution uh, commercially available August 1st. And uh, we are, you know, we, we really think it's a game changer in the industry. So help us understand a little bit about the how the uh, digital textbook works, because I, again, not having had digital textbooks, I've very much the learning was about highlighting and making notes and marking up pages. Is there a similar functionality with your with your uh, service? Absolutely, and, and and let me first let me first just say uh, very clearly, the digital textbook is not what the core of this offering is. It is a part of the offering. In other words, you can get an ebook and read through an ebook. But frankly, most students find an ebook relatively clumsy and not very easy to learn with. So one of the things we did is we actually offering as part of the subscription. Simply for the cost of shipping, you get a free rent textbook. So we rent you a textbook for free just for the cost of shipping because a lot of students still like the print book. Mm-hmm. However, the solution is really a course solution, not a, a, an e-book solution. So in other words, when you go in and you learn you know, Psychology 101, you can, we have interactive features built into the platform. Uh, we have assessments built into the platform. You can test at any given point in time, where are you in the course material? Are you ahead of where you should be? Are you behind? And all those features and functionalities, including you can submit your homeworks, you can look at your grades, they have been derived from intense student research. What is it as a student that I want to know, but also what does the faculty want to know? What does the faculty want to know about a large class where the students are. So it's really a course solution that enhances the relationship between faculty and student. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio powered by the Wharton School today for the first time on Sirius XM 132. I'm Nick Ashburn with my co-host Cheryl Coleman. I don't think I introduced ourselves <laughs> when I when I launched the launched the show today. Uh, but we are here currently with Michael Hansen, who's the CEO of Cengage, C E N G A G E, and we're talking about sort of revolutionizing the textbook and you know course material. Uh, well, industry, it's, it's I more guess. of a learning experience, right? You know, it's sort of yeah. It's not just again. It's not just making e textbooks, um, and so that's Michael was talking about that before we reintroed. Exactly, and so Michael, what do you see? I mean, first of all, this seems timely that we're towards the end of July already here, and I, if I was sending my kid to college, I'd be thinking about this issue. Yep. Um, you know, are you ready for a fall twenty eighteen rollout? Um, you know, where are people going to be able to find you? Yeah, we're absolutely ready, Nick, um, for the fall 2018 uh, rollout. We have geared up to that, and I actually very personally have that experience. Uh, My my oldest son is uh, going to college uh, 
next fall. So uh, I, I think it's very timely also from a personal perspective. Um, so where you can find us is the, the short answer is pretty much everywhere. In other words, you will find us in the college bookstore. Uh, we, have, we wanted to make sure that all the students uh, know about the solution. Uh, so you will find us in the college bookstores. Uh, we you know, have banners. You can, you can buy the subscription at the cashier at the college bookstore. Uh, you'll find us on cengage.com uh, where you can go. And uh, very often in the syllabus of your professor, uh, there will be a link uh, to, to our own website where you can simply get the subscription and immediately have access to over 675 courses and 22,000 uh, individual titles. Well, that actually raises a question for me about um, I can understand the uh, appeal to students because it's, it's it, price-wise it's great. It gives them a lot of flexibility. Faculty, on the other hand, are often set in their ways in, in, in many uh, cases. And Cheryl, are you speaking from experience speaking as a former from, faculty member? I'm speaking from experience and also you know, knowing a lot of people. How do you get faculty to adjust how they're thinking about their coursework and what they're assigning students to do? Uh, Cheryl, absolutely. You put your finger on something that, frankly, we were very nervous about in the run-up to, to the launch. And as you know, in the United States, faculty decides what materials they use. Yes. And faculty historically has been very reluctant to switch materials because they're very used to it, and sometimes for good reasons, right? I mean, you're used to a certain way of teaching, you're used to a certain textbook, you stick with it. Especially if it's my textbook, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, that's even, even more so. But, you know, <laughs> the reality is that that's probably true for, you know, professors at Wharton, but 70% of the professors in the United States are adjunct professors. True. Uh, they don't know today whether they're going to be teaching in the fall. Right. True. You know, and they have very little time, and they don't necessarily either write textbooks or spend a lot of time assembling the materials. So, you know, you, what we were nervous about is, like, does the faculty really care enough about the cost of textbooks that they would switch providers, i.e. switch to Cengage, in order to allow their students to have access to this unique subscription service? Right. And in the spring... We were out in force with hundreds of, of our salespeople. We have over 600 salespeople in the field talking to professors, and we found an overwhelming positive response. Great. Faculty said, look, I, I simply cannot afford not to offer this to my students because it is so compelling and it is so much more affordable, and I have high-quality material. As opposed to, you know, if I stitch it together or I get OER materials, open educational resource materials, I have to do all the work. I don't have the time, I can't afford it, and I don't know whether it's high quality. This is high quality material, and I get it at an affordable price. Well, and, and then going back to the student for a moment, you know, I think that there are a number of students who, you know, you mentioned skipping meals or maybe skipping trips home, but they may also just opt to not buy the textbook. And so from a learning outcome perspective, yeah. you know, they're not getting the full educational experience that they should be if they're doing that. And so as a professor, I would imagine you'd rather them do well and learn the material. Than, and if this was a lower barrier to entry to right. doing that, why not? Absolutely, Nick. And, and it is, goes even further than that. They might not opt the, to buy the textbook. And there is a good chunk, about a third of the students that we surveyed said, we're skipping the textbook. We'll go buy without it. But even more worrisome, Students skip entire classes because they can't afford the cost of the textbook. Mm. 
they say, look, I'm not going to take this class. And what then turns out, a four-year, you know, a four-year degree becomes all of a sudden a five-year and a six-year degree because, in a way, they're kicking the can down the road. Or worse, which is another phenomenon, is people just simply flung out of this education experience altogether. So the completion rates are also directly impacted by that. You know, I'm struck, Cheryl, this is a little, maybe a lot off topic, <laughs> but, you know, I was struck by uh, a segment that I listened to with Revisionist History, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. This was, a, you know, I think it's a year or two old now, but around how philanthropy is giving to um, the Pens, the Harvards, the Stanfords, and how, you know, their endowments are growing, but are those things, you know, resources trickling down to support students, you know, or is it supporting a hundred of the top students and not helping, you know, the broader student right. community? And how I'm segueing into what we're talking about with Michael here with Cengage is thinking about how, what are the barriers to entry for students to learn, especially in higher ed? And, um, you know, this this is a real pain point for students. And it's an opportunity that even at the price point, if you say 120 bucks a semester, 119.99, if I'm correct, um, it, it sort of also takes some of those unknown costs, um, the, the variable costs right. of a university. You can't, I think you as a university, time you, you wouldn't be able to budget are, for right. that. If you were to say, hey, I have, um, you know, we know we have, 3,000 undergraduate students this year, that's 3,000 times, you know, 119 times two, you could budget for that. And that's now baked into your tuition cost. Mm -hmm. And it could take the burden off of the students. The students. I'm brainstorming here, but I don't know if you guys have thought about that at uh, Cengage. So we have so the we, university buy it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Cheryl and, and, and Nick, both of those, I mean, first of all, let me say, Nick, you're absolutely right uh, that what we shouldn't be thinking about is only the top, you know, the top of 5% of the students in the United States. What we need to think about is how do we close the skills gap for the 95% of the students that, that are not in the institutions that you referred to before. And big part of the problem is affordability, tuition, but also textbooks. And the second, the, the second point you're raising about including and, and predictability of the cost is a very important one. So with this offering, we make it more predictable. Right. We also have the possibility to bake it into you know, the tuition, which some institutions opt for. But back to Cheryl's point, Cheryl's point often when the institution uh, you know, dictates things top down, faculty doesn't like that. Mm -hmm. right? Faculty wants to have the freedom of choice. I want to choose how I teach, with which textbook, with which material, with which digital components I teach. And we want to respect that. So we give them both options. We say, look, we can either bake it for the institution into the tuition. That finds it even more predictable. But frankly, if, you know, the student comes on campus and they know up front after a year or two, everybody knows for $120, I can essentially get all I need to learn uh, per semester, then also that adds an immense amount of predictability for the financial, for the financial uh, burden that the student faces. The other thing that I think it opens up, um, I'm totally riffing here, folks. I, don't, I haven't thought this all the way through, but uh, you can imagine for those 
students that are eager to learn in a specific subject, yes, there are library resources. And I know at Penn, we have a tremendous library with fabulous resources online and, you know, sort of physical copies of things. But, you know, if it's a physical copy, it's only going to be one or two. And if you have multiple students who are interested in a particular subject, you might be able to advance yourself through the this sort of Netflix-type subscription with Cengage in a way that you wouldn't be able to with sort of the limited resources that we you ha- might have at your disposal anyway. Right. Is that possible, too, here, Michael? Yes, it is absolutely possible. And, in fact, we are in the lucky position that we are actually one of the largest library uh, information providers in the country. We have uh, one of our uh, subsidiaries is Gale, uh, and Gale is a large uh, database and information provider to libraries. And as part of the next iteration of our Cengage Unlimited, which is the name of the, uh, of the business model, the subscription model, as part of the next iteration of Cengage Unlimited, uh, we are thinking about seamlessly connecting the course experience to the library experience so that you can actually pull in the material that your library has instead of going to the library, as we probably all did at some point in our lives, and going in and looking for the books and you know borrowing them. We can actually have access to the databases in a seamless way mm-hmm. in the context of what I'm learning. If I need access to a particular uh, piece of information or a particular subset of information, I can get it right there, right then in my workflow, in my learn flow, so to speak. Right. And that was sort of what I was thinking is like, learn at your own pace. So right. to, I mean, especially if it's more of an accelerated pace. And so, um, Michael, my next question for you is more an industry facing question. And, you know, this seems very disruptive. It, you know, you had to do a lot of legwork to make sure that you were, you had the right licenses to be able to provide these resources. Right. How's the industry, the publishing industry responding to this? Well, it's very interesting, uh, Nick. Uh, you know, it's whatever you break the mold and whenever you disrupt particularly, and I think in media I was thinking about analogies, and there are not that many where an incumbent actually disrupts the model. Uh, it is Fair. both, you know, at times, uh, you know, nerve-wracking and exhilarating, and probably both those feelings <laughs> happen at the same moment. Um, But, you know, look, the reality is that right now our competition is just watching and saying, you go ahead and see whether it works. And, you know, and clearly we are taking a risk, but we're taking a risk uh, with the support of our shareholders. And I should mention we are private equity owned. KKR is our largest shareholder. And uh, they have uh, been extremely supportive in that um, and uh, really been a major asset, the board and uh, Searchlight Capital is on the board. Uh, they have been extremely supportive of this transition, full well knowing that you know we are doing both good as well as we are doing we are taking a very calculated financial risk with the business because we are clearly banking on that we will make up uh, with volume uh, the price decline uh, that is very obvious as right. we have lowered the prices pretty dramatically. And Michael, we actually we had a caller call in who didn't have time to join us live on the air, but I did want to get to um, his question. So if you imagine I'm a college freshman, I'm taking Economics 101, you know, um, it, that's a big textbook. Big, big textbook. Yep. When you think about that textbook and those materials, you know, I don't know that that textbook world is that a pretty standard textbook across multiple universities typically, or are there multiple textbooks that if my professor isn't choosing that one, like this, you know, Cengage isn't necessarily the right fit for me? Yeah, that, that, that's right. I mean, the, you, as a student, you have to obviously look at the classes that you have chosen, and you have to look at, you know, how many of those have Cengage materials. 
there is not just one standard textbook economics 101 out there. Uh, so you would have to look at, at the classes and, and you know, make your own determination whether the subscription is right for you. But in most cases, it will be right because, as Cheryl said at the top of the broadcast, uh, you know, there is, this is less than the cost of one textbook you know, in, 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 in most cases. So uh, you know, if you have another Cengage course, it's, it's an obvious decision. If this is the only Cengage course you have during the semester, you would need to make a quick calculation whether it's better for you to buy a standalone solution or, or the subscription. But for the vast majority of students, it will, be, uh, it will be the better solution. And so right now you're just focusing on college students? Correct. Uh, right now we've introduced it uh, to the college market, uh, but I, I see where your question is going, Cheryl. <laughs> exactly. Would, high school would, students, yeah. Yeah, would, would we do this for high school students? So, you know, our, uh, our brand in high school is we have the National Geographic uh, um, publishing brand oh. in, in high schools. So we do a lot of advanced placement and elective courses. And uh, clearly we are thinking about extending this to, uh, to the high school market as well. But, uh, you know, we'd like to walk before we run, so exactly. uh, one step at a time. Well, exactly. And once you get the, the uh, college thing all worked out and then you can move into high school and then they're already trained on your, your platform when they go absolutely. into college. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is exactly the idea. And, uh, you know, I think back to what Nick said at the beginning, uh, you know, clearly the digital experience is a, bit of, a better experience in terms of the ability to customize to the individual students. You can learn at your own pace, et cetera. And, yeah, hey, if you want a print textbook to learn from it as well, we can give it to you. But, you know, I think what we have to realize that the barrier to digital, when people are asking, why is still learning so incredibly analog? The answer is, for the vast majority of students, it was price. And, you know, we are breaking that barrier, and we're allowing students to have that high-quality, digital experience, highly customized at that affordable price point. I'm I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but do I need a .edu account, like you know, email address to be able to sign up for the platform that sort of it's tied to a university, or is it literally like I can sign up and subscribe to you know Cengage Unlimited? It's the latter. It's the latter. Literally, you can sign up. You can have any kind of email. You don't need an .edu email. Uh, anybody can sign up for this. Great. That's great, and I'm you know I can see this being super helpful for. Corporate universities, you know, like the the internal learning for the, for those types of clients, and and so I guess you know, in the last couple minutes that we have here, what are you most excited about? The rollout is imminent. Uh, you know, what what's on the horizon beyond the rollout? Well, what I'm most excited about right now is that uh, you know, in this industry, a lot of people are talking in the education industry broadly. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to talk about change and what happens, and they always mean other people. They always mean <laughs> other people should change, right? And what I'm most excited about is actually doing something about it and impacting the lives of millions of students. That's my, my, my biggest excitement right now. And then what's on the horizon is what I really want to make sure is that we find ways to impact the learning and give people skills so that they can compete in a globalized world that they compete in an increasingly technology-driven world with the right skills and that we, you know, as a society, come together because people have the right skill sets and they're able to find jobs that pay well. And that's ultimately what we should be focusing on in education. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to wrap up this segment. Thank you so much. That has been Michael Hansen, who is the CEO of Cengage, a digital platform that's thinking about a Netflix-type subscription for textbooks, textbooks, especially in higher ed. 
You've been listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. We're going to take a short break, but stick with us. When we get back, we'll be speaking with Pam Rothenberg, who's a partner at the law firm Wombleban Dickinson. We'll be talking about how lawyers are thinking about impact at business and investing. Stick with us. This is Dollars and Change. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you.